Amen. Thank you, praise team and choir. Thank you, veterans, for serving us this morning. We're in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. I invite you to turn there. Uh, we're going to conclude our study of the book of Colossians. It's been a good journey, and uh, hopefully uh, you look a little bit more like Jesus than you did when we started. And, and uh, may we continue to pursue Christ-like living uh, for His honor. Uh, I kind of like the way Paul ends his letter. Uh, he mentions ten partners or ten friends in the ministry. And uh, if you read Paul's letters, he actually mentions about a hundred in, in all of his letters. And it reminds us that Paul wasn't a, a lone-range Christian. He, he had lots of partners uh, in ministry, and he was thankful for them. And uh, I think we sometimes see a bunch of names, and we think, what do we do with that? I just skip over those. Uh, but God put them in here for a reason. And uh, I think we can learn a few things for them. Maybe we learn uh, to take time sometimes to thank those who partner with us in ministry. And I recognize that many of you, uh, you roll up your sleeves every week and serve. Uh, now there's people watching our children and in the nursery and greeting and some in the parking lots and some doing security. and I mean, just people serving. And uh, I feel blessed to, to serve with you. And uh, so if you'll find your place in Colossians 4, I invite you to stand and uh, we'll read verses 7 through 18. I, I wanted to mention this. We made up some cards. We put them out there on the table that just says, I'm thankful for you, and here's why. And uh, we invite you to take some of those. And uh, if you see someone serving or someone been serving for years and maybe you haven't thanked them for a while, uh, fill that out, and you can give it to them, or you can fold it up and put it in the basket. We'll give it to them. Uh, but over and over in Scriptures, we're called to... Uh, to give thanks and to be thankful. And, uh, and so let's do that. Let's be faithful to be thankful for those who serve. All right, so verse 7, Paul says, Thycus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Articus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hyopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greetings with my own hand, Remember my chains, grace be with you. Father, we, as we come to the end of this book, we pray that you would give us eyes to behold treasures in your word. Teach us today uh, about faithfulness, partnerships in ministry, uh, the blessing of, of serving you. Uh, may we make much of your grace. Thank you for those like Paul who loved and served the church and gave us instructions. And we pray your spirit would help us to understand today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. 
Most of you know Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Real familiar with that, and uh, I found it to be so true that our friendships are often a part of our discipleship. And God uses Christian friends and relationships in our sanctification to, to help us grow in Christ's likeness. As we, we speak truth with one another, we, we encourage one another. Well, Paul had all kinds of friends in ministry. Some were young, like Timothy. Others were older. Uh, we're going to meet one today who was a runaway slave. Uh, one was a doctor. Some were Jews and some were Gentiles. Some were men and some were women. And uh, <clears throat> It's good to have different kinds of friends. I, I told him earlier I even have some friends that are Cardinal fans, and uh, that's okay. Uh, what I've learned in ministry is that people are important. Uh, relationships are important. And uh, I can just confess there have been times where I've gotten so tied up with projects and busyness of ministry that I have neglected relationships. And uh, someone said that most effective ministry... Uh, flows along relational rivers. I think that's true. We build relationships and we're able to minister to one another. And our God's a relational God, isn't he? Yeah. He, he's revealed himself to us. And then he invites us into a relationship with him. We, matter of fact, he invites us to come into his family and, and be sons and daughters of his. And so uh, we see some of these names and uh, we wonder what to do with them. I, I think I'm going to try to categorize some of these friends uh, that Paul mentions. I've got four categories of friends, and maybe as we talk about them, you can decide which kind of friend you would be if Paul were to mention you in one of his letters. And so the first thing we see is some faithful friends. Faithful friends. Anybody thankful for faithful friends in your life? The first one he mentions is Thyacus, uh, verses 7 and 8. He Thyacus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and he may encourage your prayers. And so uh, to his friends, Paul would give some responsibilities. And so to Thyacus, he wanted him to take this letter that he had given for the church in Colossae and deliver it to him. And so he would, uh, he's the mailman. And uh, Paul wrote a letter to, to the Ephesians, to Colossians, to Philemon, who was there in Colossae. And uh, Thycus got to take the letter. And when he got there, he was able to kind of give them an update on how things were going with Paul. Uh, they, they loved Paul. They were concerned about him. And, and so he would kind of give them an update. And then he would offer some encouragement to the churches. Now, we all need some encouragement sometimes, don't we? And you realize that in scriptures, over and over, we're told to encourage one another. Uh, Hebrews 3.13. But exhort or encourage one another every day. Well, I have to confess that sometimes. I don't do that every day. Encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so listen, we come together, I, I love coming together on Sunday mornings, don't you, to, to worship? So we come together to worship corporately God, I mean, that's primary, but one of the things that God tells us to do when we come together is we're to encourage one another. And listen, you can't do that if you're not here, can you? No, I mean, you can watch our services, but you can't encourage anyone. And so we come together to worship, we come together to encourage one another, and, and uh, <clears throat> let me ask you, are, are you an encourager? When, when people 
do they think, man, when he's around, he, I just feel encouraged, or she's just a blessing when she enters a room. I just feel, you know, there's some people that really are good at that, and some people go out of their way to encourage others, and, and, uh, and so we ought to encourage one another. Now, Paul has a lot of confidence in Thycus. Uh, he calls him a faithful minister, and, and there's really nothing more important in the work of Christ is just, just to be faithful. First uh, Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required of stewards, or some translations, servants, that they be found trustworthy or they're faithful. Listen, God is not that concerned about your eloquence of speech or your education or, or your abilities. He, he's most often just looking for someone who is faithful. Uh, someone has said the greatest ability is dependability. And, uh, and so Tychus is a dependable brother. Paul says he's a beloved brother. He's, Paul loved those that came alongside him. Uh, he also calls him a fellow servant. A fellow servant. Listen, uh, he didn't have the reputation that Paul had, but, but what he did was important for the cause of Christ. And so we can look out here this morning, and we are all fellow servants. Servants, ministers are used interchangeably, and so uh, we're fellow ministers. On the difference between us, us, I'm told in Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But I just want to remind you, you're a, we're fellow servants. We're in this together. We're you can say to the person beside you, you're a minister. And that would be true according to the word. You're, you're a servant and you're a minister. And so we have some responsibilities and we come together and accomplish those responsibilities. I mean, just think about Thycus. Wouldn't it be ashamed if Paul wrote this and it never made its way to the Colossians? And so even the small things are, are big things when it's God's things. And, uh, and I just was thinking this week, we have lots of people here at Burlington Baptist who are faithful like Thycus. Uh, and so thank you. you. You are dear brothers and sisters, and you're faithful ministers, faithful servants. You, like I said, there's people now that's watching our kids and, and doing ministry, and we don't see them, and sometimes we don't think about them. And there, there's some here on Wednesday nights that's cooking, and some teaching, and some leading, and and uh, some during the week are painting the walls and, and keeping the facilities nice. There's all kinds of people who are just faithful servants of the Lord. And, and we ought to just take some time sometimes and, and thank them for, for those things that they do. Amen? So get one of those thank you cards and thank somebody. Verse 10, Paul mentions another faithful friend, Articus, my fellow prisoner, Articus, greets you. Uh, we find this Articus guy, man, he stayed with Paul even through difficult circumstances. Here, here's what we know. He, uh, he risked his life in Ephesus. Remember when they had the riots in Ephesus? Well, he's, he's there with Paul. He traveled with Paul to Rome, and so that means that he was part of that shipwreck crew. And, uh, and now he's here with Paul, and uh, man, he just wanted to be an encouragement to Paul. And he, not many of us probably stay around when our friend's in prison. Uh, when times get tough, sometimes we bail on them, don't we? But not Articus. A third faithful friend is in verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice. Now, it would be kind of odd to have the name Jesus, but it's a very common name for Jewish culture. Uh, the Hebrew is Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. And so I'm sure uh, he went by the name Justice uh, after he had come to Christ and uh, a fourth friend mentioned is, is good old Dr. Luke in verse 14. And uh, we know a little bit about Luke. He says, Luke, the beloved physician. 
And Luke played a big, important role in Paul's life. He, he went with him on his third missionary journey. Uh, he wrote the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he wrote the book of Acts. Uh, he's the only Gentile author in the New Testament. And uh, I just bet it was good to have Luke around because, you know, Paul, he, he got stoned sometimes and he had various ailments. And I'm sure he was glad that Dr. Luke was, was around. And uh, I like doctors when they're around. i got a good friend who's a doctor, and I'm always glad when he's around. Just, uh, but Luke was not just a doctor. He was a thorough historian. And uh, he used his gifts for the sake of Christ. And we have these, the gospel and, and acts, and we're thankful for that. And Luke stayed with Paul to the, to the end. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.11, it's the last of Paul's letters. He says, Luke alone is, is with me. And uh, listen, only faithful friends, they, they stay to the end, don't they? Then Paul mentions a, a faithful friend, a fifth one there in verse 15. Her name is Nympha, and uh, she demonstrated her faithfulness by allowing her house to, to be the church. Uh, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And, and so Paul is ending this letter, and he just wants to take a moment and just thank some people who were a part of this ministry, and uh, he was thankful. So we, we have some faithful friends uh, then Paul had a friend, I, I want to just call him a fervent friend. Uh, his name is Epaphras, and uh, we meet him in verse 12. We've already met him back in chapter 1, verse 7, if you remember. I'll turn back there and read this. Just as you learned it from Epaphras. This is, this is the gospel, and Paul says, You learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. And so uh, he's the one that took the gospel to Colossae. And so it's believed what's happened was he was in Ephesus. Paul goes there. Paul preaches the gospel. Epaphras hears the gospel. He, he gets saved. He soaks up all he can. He goes back to Colossae, and he shares the gospel at home. And people hear. The church is planted. Uh, he pours into them. And, uh, and apparently he goes to, to Rome after that to, to see what he can do for the apostle Paul. Uh, but notice what he says here. Uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, so he came from Colossae, he's a servant, he's a, a slave for Christ, and he greets you, and notice what it says, always struggling, that, that word is agonizing, Epaphras is always agonizing, struggling, wrestling on your behalf in his prayers, man, wouldn't that be awesome to, to have that said about you, that you're a prayer warrior? We got any of those in the house? People that pray? You know, last week, uh, Paul said in chapter 4, verse 2, to be steadfast in prayer or devote yourselves to prayer. And, and here we have a Epaphras who's doing exactly that. And, and he's praying. What, what's he praying for the church back home? He's, he's praying that you may stand mature, firm. And fully assured of all that's in the will of God. And so there was some false teaching coming into the church. And here's a man who's praying for his church. He's praying that they would stand firm against those false teachings. And that they would know what the will of God was. That they would know about this eternal life that was given them by the grace of Christ. And uh, if you remember back last week we talked about that prayer is hard work. Amen. Uh, and so I think about these the ten people mentioned here, and only one of them, Epaphras, is commended for his fervency in praying. And so was he the only one praying? Probably not. I'm sure the other ones were as well, but, but he is fervent 
in prayer. That, that's what he can do on behalf of his church back home. And I just think, you know, sometimes people struggle to, to know what their ministry is. And, and maybe you haven't found one. Maybe yours might be a ministry of prayer. Or you just struggle and wrestle and pray on behalf of your church that, that God's will would be done. And uh, if you do that, uh, you won't get much limelight. But you'll have some eternal ramifications for that. And Epaphras was fervent in his praying. So some faithful friends, one who was fervent. Thirdly, uh, I'm going to call this a, a faltering friend. In verse 14, we hear that about this guy, Demas. He also sends greetings along with Dr. Luke. Uh, we, we don't learn much about Demas here in Colossians, but about five years later, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.10, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And so what we learn is it's nearly impossible to serve Christ and His church and to love the world, the things of this world. You, you can't love the things of this world and more than you love the one who created the world. Uh, John tells us in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in him. And so here we see a, a man who is there with Paul, serving with Paul, and the next thing we know, he's, he's gone. And, and I'm just saying to you, uh, there's an enemy who wants to take you out. And uh, if you're half-heartedly serving the Lord, he, he wants to pick you off. He wants to take you out of the game, and uh, he'll put all kinds of attractions in front of you. And you have to be careful because our flesh likes the things of the world, and and uh, so the enemy wants to fight for our allegiance to the cause of Christ. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you if you're messing around with something that's gonna cause you to stumble. Be careful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be warned about the enemy who doesn't like it when you serve. And, and know this, you can't serve two masters, Jesus said. You, you can't serve God and mammon or God and money or God and the thing. You can't do that. And so decide today who you're going to serve. And uh, don't end up like Demas. And so many in the church have. They, they started out serving and they got lured away by things of the world. And so while Demas soon falters, Paul mentions two other friends who, uh, who made some pretty big mistakes, uh, and yet they were forgiven. And so I'm going to just call them forgiven friends. The first one is Onesimus, and uh, we read about him in verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. And so he sent an Onesimus back to Colossae with Thyacus. And here's what we know about Onesimus. He was a slave in Colossae. And he ran away. And somehow, ain't it awesome, Danny, that by the grace of God, he ended up in Rome and heard the gospel. And the next thing you know, he's there with Paul. And Paul calls him a, uh, our faithful and beloved brother. And uh, if you want to understand his story, you've got to read the book of Philemon. Uh, but uh, even though he's just been a believer for a short time, he, he had become endured to, to Paul and... and uh, he had found forgiveness. Uh, and so Paul urges him to, to go back to his master, Philemon, and make things right. And uh, it appears that Philemon was a leader there in the church at Colossae. 
And, uh, and so Paul is sending him back in Philemon 12. He says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. And so if you want the rest of that story, you've got to read the book of Philemon. It's just one chapter, 25 verses, and, uh, and it's, it's good. And, uh, and so Onesimus was wrong in running away, uh, but he found Christ. And God forgave him, and Paul forgave him, and, and we assume that Philemon forgave him as well, and, and didn't just forgive him, but received him back as a brother. And, and aren't you glad that God offers each of us that same kind of forgiveness? I am. Man, we can be forgiven by God, whatever we've done. And not just forgiven, but become a dear brother. Then verse 10, we hear about Mark the cousin of Barnabas. Uh, he's going to come to you, and if he does, I want you to welcome him. Uh, now, Mark is the, the cousin of Barnabas. He's the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, he's referred to as John Mark. And uh, if you know uh, a little bit about John Mark, he was there uh, in Acts. The church at Antioch are going to send Paul and Barnabas out to take the Gospel. And Barnabas has got a cousin, Mark, and he wants to take him with him, and they take off, and you can read about this in Acts 13, uh, it got tough, and John Mark says, I'm going back home, and uh, sure enough, he did, and, and uh, that didn't go well with Paul, and so when they get ready to take their second missionary journey, uh, Barnabas says, well, let's take Mark with us, and Paul says, uh, he's not going with me, and uh, there was such a division there that Barnabas took Mark, and they went one way, and Paul, he picked up Silas, and they went another way, and, uh, you know, it's probably the providence of God there. He's accomplishing his purposes, but, uh, <clears throat> but, but Mark really didn't want to have anything to do with, uh, Paul didn't want to have anything to do with Mark, but, but some period went by, and, and Paul's been able to extend grace and forgiveness to Mark, and it's really a beautiful picture of second chances, and, uh, Paul comments about Mark to him. He says, if he comes, you receive him because he'll be, he'll be helpful to you. And uh, what's really funny is at the, near, at the end of Paul's life in uh, 2 Timothy 4.11, he tells Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he's very useful to me in ministry. And so I want Mark him back. I, I, I like this guy now. And so uh, anybody ever blown it and you work for the Lord and, and you started something and quit? Anybody ever done that? I told him I was going to ask the nominating team if anybody ever gets on a council and you quit. Uh, Y'all don't, don't do that around here, do you? It reminds me of two little boys named Billy and Jimmy. They were playing one day, and, and uh, while they was playing, Jimmy said to Billy, he said, uh, my dad's got a list of men he can whip, and your dad's first on the list. And Billy said, oh. So he ran home to tell his dad, and he said, Jimmy's dad's got a list of men, and you're on the list of men he can whip. And Billy's dad said, oh, is that right? Well, we'll see about that. And so he heads over to Jimmy's house, and he knocks on the door, and Jimmy's dad comes to the door, and Billy's dad says, I hear you got a list of men you can whip, and I'm on the list. And Jimmy's dad said, well, that's right. And he said, well, I don't think you can do it. What are you going to do about it? And Jimmy's dad thought for a minute, and he said, well, I guess I'll take your name off the list. <laughs> so, so we don't always finish everything we start, do we? And maybe you've, maybe you've run away from something like Onesimus, or, or maybe you've let somebody down like Mark. 
Listen, I, I want to just remind us of the forgiveness that we find in Christ. And really, the Christian life is just a series of new beginnings. And uh, listen, you can serve uh, as a forgiven friend because God is the God of second chances. Amen. And, and listen, we're just a whole room full of forgiven sinners in here, aren't we? We've all blown it. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. And God forgives us and puts us back in the race and tells us to run. And it's awesome. He doesn't put anybody on the shelf. So we, we come to the end of this letter and, and uh, this letter about Christ-centered living. Let me just try to make a couple of points of application uh, in these final verses. Verse 16, Paul says, and, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And, uh, and so God desires for his word to be read. Uh, read it and, and pass it on and, and uh, pass this letter to the Laodiceans, the church nearby. And, and I've, Paul sent them a letter and he said, when they read that, then, then you all read that. And, and so here's the picture in the scriptures. We, we're to get the word in us and then we're to get the word out. We want this word to be available for people to read because there's power in the word. Amen? This word goes out and it accomplishes its purposes. And so get it out. Verse 17 is this uh, Archippus. And uh, commentators suggest that he was pastoring the church in Colossae uh, in the absence of Epaphras. And so Epaphras has gone to Rome, and Archippus is the pastor, and Paul feels the need to exhort him to fulfill the ministry or to complete the work. Fulfill it completely is the ideal. And listen, we've all probably experienced times in our lives where we need to be challenged to just keep going. Anybody need that this morning? Just to follow through on our commitments and, and, and not just keep going. Sometimes we need a little nudge to, to get in the work. To get in the race. I mean, this is a race God's called before us, and, and there's no spectators in this thing. And so some of you need a little nudge to get more involved in the Lord's work. And let me just say, I, I'm excited about what God has in store for Burlington Baptist Church. It's exciting to see Him add people uh, almost every week, and, and He entrusts more to our care, and He equips us with more people to, to do His work. And, and uh, <clears throat> so it's time for some of you to step up a little bit. Amen. And, uh, yeah, and there's much to do. And, uh, and so my challenge to Burlington Baptist Church is the same Paul. Fulfill the ministry that God has set before us and, and serve him. Serve him faithfully. Amen? You won't regret that. And then verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. And I... Try to just get a picture of that when I was working on this. And Paul, you know, he's kind of dictated this letter and he stretches out his hands and chains and wants to kind of, I don't know, write his name. Finish this letter off with his, his writing. And uh, no, there's no chains or no jail or there's no power that could quench his love and devotion to Christ and even to the church. And uh, he was all in. He lived his life out loud. And he... He just says, remember my chains. And, uh, you know, I, I typed that on. I'm sitting on my comfortable chair, typing this in the computer, remember my chains. And I thought, wow. We should be reminded sometimes of, of some of the, the suffering uh, that people have gone through to bring us the Word of God. Uh, 
people like Wycliffe and others who uh, translated God's Word into English and they were burned at the stake. And many gave their lives uh, so that we could have God's Word. And uh, church, many have suffered throughout time for the sake of the gospel. And uh, let's be prepared to endure some suffering, some affliction for the sake of Christ. I, I, we, we watch the news and we, you know, people, we see darkness, don't we? We see morality getting worse. And, and I just want to tell you, though, when times get dark, the gospel shines brighter. I mean, if you go outside and you get away from the lights, the stars are bright. Well, it's the same way. As times get darker, we shine the gospel. And it shines brighter than ever before. And so I just want us to realize that, that uh, we may have to suffer some for the sake of Christ. And that's okay, isn't it? He's worth it, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And then Paul ends with this little phrase, grace be with you. Do you know every single letter Paul begins and ends with the word of grace? That's kind of his trademark. Grace means God's unmerited favor. He, he says, may God's favor, church, be with you. Not what you deserve. We don't want that. We want God's grace to be upon us. And I was just thinking about John when he got to, uh, he got to behold Jesus. And John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And he said he was full of grace and truth. I mean, Jesus brought grace to us. John 1.16 says, For from him, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. In other words, grace has just overflowed. It's multiplied towards us. And so I want to ask you this morning, have you received grace yet? Paul ends this letter by just saying, Grace be with you. And I, I want to invite you this morning as we close to, to experience grace. And so I want you to just bow with me for just a moment. As we conclude this letter with the word of grace, I just want to share the gospel with you real clear. You know the gospel. Maybe you're here, though, and you don't understand the gospel. The gospel tells us that God created us. God spoke and the universe came into existence. Our God is holy. That means He's perfect. He's sinless. And He created man. And we were the pinnacle of His creation. And yet, all the way back to the garden, man chose sin. And chose to do it our way instead of God's way. And our sin separates us from God. And that's not good news. But, but the good news comes when Jesus came. God sent His only son Jesus and he came and we know the story he was born of a virgin named Mary and he lived a sinless life and one day he went to the cross and on that cross he took my sin and your sin and he paid the penalty for our sins he who had never sinned became sin for us that we might be made right with God that's what Jesus did for us. He died in our place. They buried him, and on the third day, he arose again. And listen, church, when he rose again, he rose in victory over our sin. He paid the debt. And he offers to save us 
And he doesn't save us because we're good, because we're not, but he saves us by grace. Paul said in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And so I want you to know this morning that God offers a gift to you, a gift you can never earn. It's a gift of grace whereby he'll forgive your sins and make you a son or daughter. And so, Father, I pray today as we come to the end of this book and Paul ends with this word of grace, I I pray that everyone in this room has experienced your grace, have received it as a gift from you. I pray they'd understand they can never be good enough. They might be a good dad or mom or child. They might be a good neighbor. But they're a sinner. They're separated from you. And I pray they'd know that you took their sin on the cross. And if they'll turn today from that sin and believe upon Jesus, they can be saved. And so I pray that some would receive grace today. And Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that uh, some have, are living under the guilt of, of sin. I pray that they would know that forgiveness is available. For the believers, they can confess their sin and find forgiveness. Lord, I pray that some might know that you're the God of second chances. Maybe there's some in this room who started a ministry and they quit. Maybe they got discouraged or maybe they were lured away by the things of this world. I, I pray they might know that <clears throat> just like Mark was forgiven and restored that today you invite them to to get back in the race father there's some here today who've trusted in you and and yet they've never been baptized i i pray that you would give courage today to follow you in believers baptism lord there might be some here this morning that need to be a part of of this church family and just as paul had partners you invite people to be a part of the church to serve you through the church and and so maybe some today are encouraged and want to be a part of this body we we pray that this invitation we'd make some decisions that would honor you that would be a blessing to your church and we pray all this in jesus name amen will you stand and just want to invite you to respond this morning and the lord's supper is available if you'd like to partake of that Uh, If you'd like to just say, I want to live for Christ. And the book of Colossians has just reminded me of of that privilege. Maybe you want to come and pray. I'd love to pray with you. If I can help you in some way, I'd be glad to do that. If you want to be a part of this body of believers. Maybe you've been coming for a long time. And say, I want to belong now. Uh, I invite you to be a part of this body and if you've not been baptized, you want to take that step of obedience. You, you respond this morning.